You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. So the title of my message today is Healing Family Fractures. Healing Family Fractures. Healing Family Fractures. Uh, In the series, Family Is, you're going to hear some amazing messages. Let me just give you a little bit of a uh, a spoiler alert. Tonight at 5 p.m., Pastor Becky Lynn Heinrichs, who is one of the craziest, you know, just most brilliant, incredible pastors has a message that she was sharing with me was blowing my, it is, if you're not normally a double dipper on a Sunday, seriously, come back for a double dose of the Holy Ghost. If, bring somebody who's skeptical, our oh, church, what are, bring them to, I'm telling you, they will have their mind, this message tonight is going to be unbelievable. So let me say all of that to say this, that I felt God say, I want you to preach this message today is kind of like an overlay for the series, an overlay for the series. There's not one of us sitting here that doesn't have a fracture, that doesn't have something broken or something out of order, something in disorder or disarray because of a fracture in our family, in our family. But you will find that when you come into the house of God, that one of the things that I can prophesy and guarantee is that you will begin to experience a healing of family fractures a healing of fractures in the family. So I say all of that. Let me just kind of help you. Um, God is a family. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is a family. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He's a trinity. God did not create man because he was lonely. It wasn't out of a, a need. God was so needy. God created family out of overflow. The most perfect union, the most perfect love and fellowship between the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. God just said one day, man, this is too good for us just to keep this. Let's share it. Let's make man in our image and in our likeness. And let's bring them in to the euphoria of what we have. Jesus in John 17 prays, he says, Father, I thank you that you're restoring to me the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. Lord, I pray for my disciples that they would come into that. He was talking about a euphoria. Let me just say this at C3, we actually believe that you don't have to die to experience heaven. You don't have to die to experience heaven. The day you are born again, you will find that heaven will begin to flow towards you. And it really depends on how much of your heart you open up to receive. But you, you can begin to experience moments and fragments. You know when you go to, to Starbucks and they've got, a, you know, they've got a, some new uh, dessert or you know, some new coffee and, and they bring out little samples. And you're like, oh my God, what is that? That's a gingerbread latte. No, that's... That tastes like happiness in a cup. <laughs> and, and, and so the, that's, that's what this life's meant to be like. You're meant to have these, wow. If, man, you, that came from heaven. Man, how awesome is heaven? If, man, if what I just tasted, what I just experienced. So, so let me just say that. So the, one, of the, one of the words in English that, most, that is most uh, closely resembles the, the word God, the word God in the Hebrew 
in Genesis 1.1 is introduced as Elohim. It says, Barashit bara Elohim. So in the beginning created God. In the beginning God created. In the beginning Elohim. Elohim is a plural word even though it's singular. That's why in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. The Lord thy God, uh, yod hey vav hey Elohim, the Lord thy God is one God. The reason he had to say that is because Elohim is a plural word. It's like the word family. The word family, if I talk about Colin Melissa's family, I'm talking about a single family. But the word family means more than one. Colin by himself couldn't be a family. When Colin married Melissa, they were a couple. But it wasn't until there was children, it wasn't until they became a trinity, until there was a father, mother, and child, did they become family. Everything was created by God for everything resembles, everything is a reflection of Him. One of the most uh, beautiful stories, in, in fact, it's the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is really God's covenant with a man called Avram, Abraham. God comes to Abraham, which is so beautiful, so poetic, because Abraham means exalted father. God is trying to get our attention that he is our exalted father. But because since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they were cut off from the life of God. God has had to reveal himself. He's had to reveal himself. So he revealed himself as El Shaddai, the, the all-sufficient one. He had to reveal himself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He had to reveal himself through covenant names. The Lord your righteousness, the Lord your banner, the Lord your peace, Jehovah Shalom. He had to reveal himself, reveal himself, reveal himself. But, but one of the ways that he wanted to reveal himself, he wanted to model himself. So we all know that Abraham is our father in the faith and so we you know have songs like father Abraham has many sons many sons have father Abraham I'm one of them and so are you so let's all praise the Lord right on and it goes on and so so we all know the song so it's interesting because it's it's father Abraham which is father exalted father so God was trying to communicate that he is a father we know this because Jesus steps into the pages of what is in between the old covenant and the, the about to be establishing the new covenant. And the disciples come to him and they say, hey, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. And so Jesus, when you pray, say, Matthew, I think it's verse 6, verse 9, I think. Yeah, Matthew 6, 9. When you pray, say, our Father. Isn't that interesting? Not, O Sovereign Lord. Not, O Great God. Not, Yehovah. Our Father. Our Father God. We were in Israel uh, just a couple of months ago. and was so beautiful because Shraga ben Yosef, who was our uh, tour guide, this time because we had two buses, he got his son Avi to be the tour guide of the other bus. And it was so beautiful to see Avi continually honoring his father, the interplay and the interaction between them. But what was most beautiful was watching Avi keep referring to his dad as Abba. He's like, Abba, Abba, hang on, let me, Abba, Abba. And the Bible says in Galatians 4, 6, that we've received the spirit by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Daddy God. So you need to understand that when you come into the house of God, 
the, the, the church is not a service. It's not, it's not an event. In fact, let me just say this. You are the church. Right now, you're attending a service. Oh, I've been to church. No, no, no. You are the church. You are the church. Church doesn't finish when the service finishes. In fact, I would say the church begins when the service finishes. The, 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 there, is a, there is a flow. You need to understand there is a flow from your heavenly Father over you. And that flow is to repair the fractures of your family. 91% of prison inmates come from father absent households. There's not one girl who spins around a pole that had a healthy father relationship putting self-worth and self-esteem in her because that voice was not there. She is still looking for affirmation from men, but she's just going around about it the wrong way. She knows that there should have been a covering. There should have been a father telling her she's beautiful. She's, but she's, she's, because that didn't come from her home, she spins around hoping that she can feed only to find this brokenness there. Yeah. It's interesting because the word father in the Bible is the very first two letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph, Beit is where we get the word Ab or father. And it's interesting because Aleph, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, uh, has a pictograph, and it's a pictograph of an ox or strength. And Beit, it means house. Beit Lechem means Bethlehem, house of bread. Bechel is the house of God. Beit is, is house. And so ox, house, strength, house. The strength of the house is the father. The strength of the house is the father. And, and when you take the, that's why the devil has gone after family. That's why he's gone after the fathers. That's why there's such a war on men right now. Because he knows if he can break that, if he can remove the strength of the house. Okay, you need some more convincing. Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, when a, when, when a strong man fully armed guards his house, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he comes in, he must first overpower the strong man. Then he can plunder his goods. Jesus is teaching spiritual warfare. So the devil knows that the strength of a house is the father. So for him to plunder the house, he's just got to take out the father because the father is the strength of the house. Anyway, so... So Abraham, 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 Abraham is God displaying. We see some things in Abraham's life. I don't have time to go into it because I'm, all right. Uh, Abraham rescues Lot. Lot is his nephew that he kind of become a surrogate father because Abraham's brother, uh, Haran, had died and had a son. And his son, Lot, uh, now didn't have a daddy. So Abraham kind of adopts him. Abraham brings him in. And the Bible teaches us that when Lot gets old enough, he decides I'm moving out and doesn't make smart choices. He moves out to, he hears the, 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 the kind of pulsating rhythms of, <laughs> of Sodom and Gomorrah. So he goes down to the party city, the city that never sleeps, the lights and you know, everything flashing. And he ends up in Sodom and Gomorrah. He ends up in Sodom and Gomorrah, and Sodom and Gomorrah is in war, and it go, five kings come and, and defeat the kings of uh, Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma. They come and they take them captive, and Lot gets taken with him, his wife, his children, and all his livelihood, all, his, all the wealth that he got from Abraham is now being 
dispossessed or repossessed by these other kings. So the Bible says Abraham as a father goes in a, and uh, arms the 318 servants born in his house. And he goes after them by night. You need to understand that a father rescues. A father, a father rescues. A father knows how to put on war. He knows when it's time to go to war for his family. He knows when it's time to go to war for his son. He knows when it's time to go to war for his babies. He knows when it's time to go to war. So, that, so, so Abraham goes and he rescues Lot. You find that Abraham is called to carry a promise. Abraham is called to dream a dream. Abraham is called to carry faith, to step out in faith. He's, he's called to believe for the impossible. And God says, if you will believe for the impossible, here's a vision of your future. Your descendants, all this land that you see from north and south, east and west, all the land that you see I'm giving to you and to your descendants, it shall be, you, but you, you won't walk into it. You, you will not be the possessor of it. This is going to happen in about five or 600 years time. But I need you to be a father. Because the Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So I need you to carry a promise today. I need you to exercise faith today for a promise you may not inherit, but your children's children's children are going to walk into something that you're laying up today. So he's a father. So Jesus begins to teach us that when we pray, we say, Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven. So come with me now. Luke 15 is probably one of the most famous passages of Scripture. Most of us know it as uh, the, the parable of the prodigal son. But I want you to come with me. Luke 15, we're going to read from verse 11. Uh, and I'm going to open some things up to you and show you four areas that God is going to begin to heal in your life today. 15, 11 says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the young son gathered all together, journeyed, everyone say journeyed, to a far country. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. There's a play on words in there. The word prodigal means wasteful. So there he wasted his possessions with wasteful living. He, was, he wasted his possessions getting wasted with wasteful living. Now, I'm no financial expert, but if you said to me, hey, what's, what's a key to getting a really good ROI on the 100 Gs I've got in the bank, I would tell you, don't go wasting it on getting wasted. Nobody's wasted their way into a fortune. Oh my gosh, I wasted that opportunity. Oh my gosh, I wasted that moment. I wa yeah. Yeah, Wasting is not the, the way forward. Yeah. So he went to a far country where he wasted his possessions with wasteful living getting wasted. And when he had spent all, there arose a famine. No kidding. <laughs> there arose a famine in that land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And this citizen sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, Jesus, you just got to love Jesus. He is so C3. I'm telling you. Do you know how provocative that is to a Jewish audience? Are you kidding me? That he sent him into the field to feed swine. 
uh, if you read in your Old Testament, which I encourage, uh, if you read, you will find that one of their derogatory comments about the Gentiles is that they would, they, would, they would kind of put down the Gentiles to exalt themselves. And one of the terms they had for Gentiles was they were uh, uh, swine flesh eaters. That was the way that they were, they were better than the Gentiles. The Gentiles eat the, the flesh of swine. They eat ham and pork and crackling and bacon and all the other things that are delicioso. And... So not only did this son kind of reject and dishonor his father, but he turned his back on the Levitical requirements of a Jew. He turned his back on his religion. He turned his back on his nation. He turned his back on his race. And he turned his back on his God and went in and began to feed swine. So right now, people are like, oh, man, this guy, I hope, the, I hope the next thing Jesus says, and then he got struck by lightning. Serves him right, is what people are waiting for. The Bible says, unfortunately, next verse, verse 16, and he gladly, he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but nobody gave him anything. When he came, but when he came to himself, he had a moment. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise, go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make me like one of your hired servants. Two quick things I need to pull out before I jump into this word. The first thing you need to understand what brought the son back to the father was when he looked into the pig slop, he had an epiphany. He had a revelation that the world that was promising, I've got all the life here. I've got, mm, 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 I've got the pulsating music. I've got the neon signs and the neon lights is empty. And then the lie that I believe that somehow all the rules of the Father's house, all the requirements of the Father's house, that somehow that is just so old school. Come on, Dad, that is so old fashioned. Come on, he came to the realization, watch this, that the prosperity, there's that bad word, the prosperity of those in my father's house because they have bread enough and to spare. You know, one of our most common Yelp reviews at C3, that pastor, they preach a prosperity gospel. They're like Joel Osteen. Friend, God's got a plan for you. <laughs> it's just a prosperity. God. Let, let me just tell you. The son came back because of the prosperity that had, the devil knows. The devil, he, he wants the world to believe. Church ain't got nothing for you. Oh, the church is just as broke. The church is just as struggled. The church is just as dis. He had this epiphany. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow, everyone in my father's house has bread enough to pay their rent, their bills, put gas in their car, and despair. Because, come on, you, you're meant to, the blessing of Abraham, Galatians 3 to 13, God made him to become a curse that we might receive the blessing of Abraham. Blessed to be a blessing. That's, that's why there's an abundance. What we do, I, I know there are excesses. I know there are excesses, but you're smart. 
You're so smart. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, you don't understand. It's like counterfeit, like, you know, there's excesses. Yeah, well, look, you know, if someone gave you, if someone ripped you off and gave you a counterfeit $100 bill, yeah. what, for the rest of you, oh, I don't want anything to do with $100 bills because I received a... <laughs> now, if I gave you a, 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 a counterfeit $93 bill, here's a $93 bill, I... Know that I know that it's only fifty dollars, but keep the change. You're gonna go. Hang on a minute. I don't think this is legit. The reason it's not legit is because there's no real ninety-three dollar bill. I know that there are counterfeits or excesses of prosperity, but don't throw. Don't stop believing what the Bible teaches about biblical prosperity because of. This or that. And the devil doesn't want, the devil does not, does not want the world. Because the world is full of prodigal sons. He doesn't want the prodigals to come to the awakening, to come to the real life. Thank God for pathfinders. Thank God for pathfinders that teach people the biblical principles of prosperity. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And here I am perishing with hunger. I know what I'll do. I'll go back to my father. And I say, I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Can I just say to you that the journey began with give me. Your descent... Your descent into lack, your descent into famine, your descent into pig slop, your descent into compromise, your descent into brokenness begins with, give me. The devil has crippled this generation with a thing called entitlement. It's the most entitled generation. Entitled people say, give me. He comes to his father and says, give me my inheritance. And the dad's like, I'm still alive. The son is so dishonoring. He says, you may be alive. But to me, you're dead. Give me my inheritance. Give me. But now, but now he comes and he kneels before the Father and he says, make me. Make me. I've got to tell you, the most magnificent transition in prayer goes from give me to make me. Make me. If I was honest with you, one of the most beautiful leadings of the Holy Spirit in my life has he's taught me when you want to go to your heavenly father, ask him to make you. Lord, make me the husband that my Leanne needs. That, that sweet little girl at 17, 17 married me. Dear Jesus, my God. At 17, she stood at an altar saying goodbye to her mum and dad and trusted herself to this Knucklehead. Oh, my God. There were weeks where I'd buy a surfboard and just wouldn't eat for a week. Because I'm like, food, surfboard, brand new surfboard. And, and now I'm realizing, oh, shoot, I'm now responsible for another person. I can't buy a, honey, good news, I got a new surfboard. Thruster. Bad news, we're not eating for the next week. She stood at an altar at 17, married me. Now, I come from... Family fracture. I come from, I didn't have a great example of how a husband treats a wife. So over the years, we've been married 28 years, over the years, it's like, oh, Jesus, make me. Make me the husband that she needs. Make me the lead. Make me the, I've got four kids. 
I've got four kids. So I started to pray, God, make me the father. But then I began to discover that one size doesn't fit all. I began to realize that one size doesn't fit all. My Jordan, my eldest, my Jordy, he, need, he needs a different father. I, I need to be a different father to my Jordan than I am to Ash. And so, so make me the, the father that Jordan needs me to be to help him become the man, to help him with his journey, to help him overcome his giants, to help him to overcome his struggles, to walk into his destiny. But then I have an ash. And, and, and it's very different because those things don't apply to him. So I've got to pray again, Father, make me the father that ash. And I see my disqualifications and I see my inadequacies and I see, I see my weaknesses and I see the areas where I just lack. But, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a flow that comes from your heavenly father. Father who is perfect. He is perfect. And there is a flow that comes and begins to heal the fractures so he can make me the father that my ash needs to be. But my ash is so different to my Tommy. And my Tommy is quiet and he, and he pulls back and he doesn't know how to communicate. So, so he has sometimes anger on the inside because he doesn't know how to verbalize, doesn't know how to vocalize. And, and so how do I unlock him, God? This is because Jordan would tell us, even when he wasn't invited to tell us what he thought of us, he would just let us know what failures of parents we were and and uh, you know and so said so, but this kid this so so I found God make me the father that Tommy needs me to be and then I got a little a little 11 year old a little 11 year old daughter God make me because what the father I am to the boys is different one size doesn't fit all make me make me oh dear Jesus I got four points I haven't got to one so let me let me just abbreviate let me just abbreviate so what, what happens what happens he, he so he goes back to his father. When the Bible says, when the father saw him a long way off, the father ran to him. He ran because it's a dishonoring thing for an old man, for an elderly man to run in Israel. But the father is running because he cares less about his honor than he does about saving his son. Because the culture, two things could have happened to the boy. The first thing that could happen when they recognize that this is the boy, because remember that it's a tight-knit community. This is the boy that brought this level of shame and dishonor to his father. Before he would have even made it to the house, the people would have driven him away, would have driven him out, convincing, amening his condemnation. Amening, what a scumbag, and you were feeding pigs, and you were lusting after pig slop, and you squandered your... And yeah, you're right, man. What was, I, what was I even thinking? And the father would have lost reconciliation with the son. Or the second thing, the elders, those who were in religious and spiritual authority over the city, would have come out and stoned him to death. And so the father had to run. The father had to run. That's why, that's why you will find that for us, evangelism is not getting people on street corners yelling at and screaming at people how they're going to hell. That's not evangelism. That's what these villagers, the father saved his son from those idiots who are coming out throwing stones. We don't throw stones at people. The gospel is the good news that Jesus died on a cross not to fill hell, but to fill heaven. Jesus died on across to empty hell to plunder hell and fill heaven so anyway so anyway so so watch this so he gets to, he gets to the, the father falls in him kisses him and then the father says bring the best robe bring the bet not bring a new robe not bring a better robe the best robe 
The best robe means that there's no better robe. Because that's what best means. It means it's the best. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Now, the kid does not deserve the best robe. But yet the father puts the best robe on him. It's called grace. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin. So that we, through him, might become the righteousness of Come on, the righteousness of, the righteousness of God. I want you to understand that in Christ, he takes your pig-stained, filthy sin garments off and he puts not just a new robe, he puts the best robe on you. You're not the righteousness of a Moses. You're not the righteousness of an Enoch. You're not the righteousness of an Elijah. You're not the righteousness of a rabbi. You're not the righteousness of a pastor. You're, you've been given the righteousness of God. You've been given the perfection of God. What's he done to deserve that? Nothing. But the father puts the best robe on him and doesn't finish there. He says, and put a ring on his finger. The robe speaks of righteousness, but even more than that, it speaks of identity. The robe speaks of identity, but the ring speaks of authority. The signet ring meant that he was part of this family. This family has an account at Home Depot. It has an account at Neiman Marcus. It has an account, and he can take that signet ring, and he can, I'll buy that, that and on daddy's account on daddy's account, on daddy's account. It's authority. One of the healings that you'll find in this church, you don't have to be a victim. Listen, you don't have to be a victim. The devil wants to tell you that, yeah, yeah, life would be better. You would be further along if only your daddy, if only your mummy, if only your, there is a flow. There is a flow in here from your heavenly father who will heal the fractures in your family. The first thing he will do is restore your identity. The second thing is he will then begin to teach you and reveal to you and show you the authority. He puts a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Because once you discover who you are, I want you to discover the authority that you carry. Moses, Moses, what's that in your hand? A stick. No, it's not. Throw it down becomes a serpent, pick it up again, becomes a stick again. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. There's authority in your hand because authority flows with responsibility. I have a destiny. Put sandals on your feet because you're meant to go somewhere. You're meant to do something. You're meant to have a destination, destiny. You were created for a purpose. Now watch this. That should be enough. If God was just going to tick the religious requirement boxes restore your identity, give you authority, and then show you your purpose. Most churches just preach that. But God does, or the Father does one more thing, and it's Jesus trying to show us the Heavenly Father. Father does one more thing. The, the next part of that verse says, and bring out the fatted calf. Slaughter the fatted calf and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine is dead and has come back to life. Now, remember, this is the younger son. He has two sons. The older son is out in the field. And when he hears in his daddy's house, 
in his house. It's like, what the heck? And one of the servants says, oh, it's awesome. Your dad just slaughtered the fatted calf. Your brother's home. He says, my brother, I'm not going in. And when the servant comes back and says to the dad, I, he's not, the father has to go out pleading with him. Please come on in. He goes, I've served you my whole life. You never even gave me so much as a goat to celebrate with my friends. And now this son of yours, this son of, not this brother of mine, this son of yours, after squandering all your wealth with prostitutes, probably. That's what I would have done, but I never had the opportunity. Probably. Like, how does he know? Was he there? He's projecting out of his own heart. Comes home, you slaughter the fat. And the, the, the father says, son. Everything I have is yours. All you had to do was ask. It's amazing. Watch this. A religious spirit didn't have a problem with the robe, didn't have a problem with the ring, didn't have a problem with the sandals, but it had a problem with the celebration. I love that we keep getting Yelp reviews, Kenny. That C3 church, oh, they're the party church. They're not serious Christians. They're having way too much fun for Christians. A religious spirit, it doesn't, it doesn't know how to celebrate, it doesn't know how to party. Can, can I just tell you, can I just tell you, how, how many people know when Jesus taught the, the, the prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom done, thy kingdom come, keep going, thy will be done, where? Okay, stop there, on earth as it is in heaven, all right. What, is, what does Jesus say happens in heaven when one sinner repents? When one sinner repents on earth, Jesus, I tell you the truth, there is rejoicing in the presence of God and in the holy angels over just what. In other words, heaven says, man, we need to celebrate this moment. We need to party this moment. And aren't we meant to on earth as it is in heaven? You, listen to me. Let me just say this you'll know that healing has taken place, that the healing of fracture, when you can allow yourself, when your self-esteem, you've allowed God to heal your worth, where you can allow that it's a good thing for people to celebrate you. You should be celebrated on your birthday. You should be celebrated when you got that deal. You should be celebrated when you got that promotion. You should be able to say, hey, guess what? Guess what? Thanks for praying. You know the promotion? I got it! You should then, guess what? Okay, we're going to meet you. We're going to bring a bottle of champ. We're going we're gonna to celebrate. Hey, come on. Let's toast our glasses to it. They got the promotion. You should be celebrating. You should be celebrating when you had that baby. You should be celebrating when you closed on that home. You should be celebrating when you got that promotion. You should be celebrated just because you were born, just because you're here. Sometimes you just need to take somebody out and say, hey, listen, I know it's not your birthday, but I just want to celebrate our friendship because my life is richer because you became my friend. I, I tell you, if there's anything that the religious demon has stolen from the church's celebration, we'd have a lot less suicides if people celebrated one another. 
See, I, come on, I'm over time, but I've got to finish, I've got to finish, I've got to finish. Now watch this, watch this. I, I, know, I know the music's up which says you've got to land the plane. But I'm trying to circle the runway because I've, I've got another point. Now I've preached this message many times and I promise you, Pastor Colin, I've never seen what I'm about to show you. I've never seen this before. I've preached this probably a thousand times. never saw this before until I was preparing. God showed me that the prodigal son had all of these inverted. He had all of these things, but there, were, there was an inversion. And an inversion is akin to a, a perversion. Watch this. The son said, I want to go party. My sandals are going to take me to an exotic city far away. I just want to travel. I know I'm meant to travel to exotic cities and party using all the wealth, but without a ring. When, 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 you, want, when you want the blessing, when you want the pleasure without the responsibility, it's inverted. There's a flow that happens when you're in covenant. He's out there squandering all, and what does he end up losing? His identity. Because he looks into the pig slop and he says, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just make me a hired servant. Because he thought, man, I'm going to be Pelea. I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the man. But because he had it inverted. Now watch this. The father knows that you and I need all. How many people I meet, they just want to party. They don't know why they party. They just know party. They don't know why. They want to travel to it. And you were created to, to have sandals to take you somewhere. And they know that, man, life works better when I've got money, when I've got access, when I've got provision. Just because you used them illegitimately in a dysfunction didn't mean that the first thing the Father taught him, this is what you're going to learn in this house, is God says, hey, hey, hey. You got it upside down. You got it inverted. Let me fix it for you. The first thing you need to understand is who you are. And the only way you can discover who you are is when you come to a realization whose you are. When you discover whose you are, you discover who you are. Simba, you are my son. When you discover whose you are, you talk to someone who finds out they were adopted. Immediately, immediately they go on a quest. It's insatiable to try and find out their biology, to try and find out who is my biological mother, who was my biological father. 23 in me, what is my story? Because my story can help me begin to, because we, it's ingrained in us. When we know whose we are, we discover who we are. Once you discover who you are, God wants you to know what you have. Oh, the devil does not, not want you to know what you have. The Bible says, to as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the power, or literally exousia. To them he gave the authority to be sons and daughters of God. The devil does not want you to know that you have authority, that whatever you bind on earth, heaven's got your back, dog. Whatever you loose on earth, will be loosed in heaven. The devil doesn't want you to know your authority. And then once you have authority and identity, then God says, now come on, son, come 
on, daughter. Let me put, let me put some sandals on your feet because I haven't just saved you and delivered you and make you mine. I haven't just given you full access to my kingdom, but I've put a kingdom purpose. I've put a kingdom destiny. There are people that only you can ever reach. There are people that only you can. You're meant to influence. You're meant to make an impact. You're meant to change the world. And he'll put sandals on your feet. And then he'll say, now that you know who you are, what you have, and what you're called to, you're going to have times where you're just going to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. We love celebrating wins. We love celebrating team. We love celebrating all that God is doing. You were created to celebrate. You were created to be celebrated. You were created to celebrate. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. More abundantly than what? More abundantly than the world. More abundantly than the world. The world parties thinking that life can be found in what's dead. They take leaves that they then dry out so they're once living and now they're dead. And they think, if I suck what's dead, maybe I'll get life. They take opiates, they're once alive, it's now dead and ground into a powder and inject it. Maybe if I inject what's dead, maybe then I can find life. Life flows from God. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. We're out of time. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 